Welcome to Surgis Snacks, the podcast that serves up tasty insights for your surgical practice. Join Al Norweb and Justin Rockman of Surgimate as they deliver bite-sized episodes that feature actionable insights and real-world examples to help you conquer the challenges of surgical scheduling and unlock your practice's full potential. Let's dig in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surge of Snacks. My name is Al Norweb and I am the Chief Growth Officer of Surgimate. And if you like to nerd out about the business of surgery, you have definitely come to the right place. Uh, Surge of Snacks, our idea is to provide you with brief 10, 12, 13 minute sessions that you can hopefully listen to uh, in your car, in the shower, whatever you're doing, and get a few insights that will help you with your, the, your running of your surgical practice. My fearless co-host, Justin Rockman, is not here with us today, but I'm extremely excited to be joined by the one and only Ozzy Delgado, the COO of Hopco. Ozzy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great, Al. Uh, really excited to be a part of Surges Next and getting to enjoy our chat today on it. Thank you. Uh, likewise, I know we've, we've talked many times and it's great to be able to have you on the show for your unique perspective. Uh, for those that don't know you or Hopco, Ozzy, maybe we could start. You can give us a, a quick bio about yourself and your organization. Sure. Uh, so I am the chief operating officer at Hopco, uh, which is a uh, stands for Healthcare Outcomes Performance Company. Hopco is a company that was founded uh, 20 years ago uh, by David Joukowsky, uh, who had a thesis on establishing, you know, the model of care from musculoskeletal care way before its time uh, when he had a thesis on, on driving this and, and delivering healthcare or musculoskeletal care in a different format. Uh, this thesis that he had, uh, he brought it uh, to fruition and it started with in Phoenix, Arizona. And I think 20 years later, we've seen it expand across multiple states throughout the entire country. So really excited about that. Oh, that's a fantastic story. And I really think um, you guys have been doing this so long now. You've learned, you've taken your lumps and learned what works and doesn't work. Um, so as our, our guests may have uh, have ascertained, uh, our topic for today is sort of the intersection between value-based care and and the business of surgery and surgical care. Uh, Ozzy, you may not know this, but we have a little bit of a gimmick on this show. We always introduce a snack that's sort of representative of our theme for the day. So I'm excited to introduce our snack for the day is dark chocolate, uh, which is not too bitter, not too sweet, just finding that sweet spot. Um, and we also picked Trader Joe's brand um, because we're very value centric. Uh, but VBC value-based care can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. How do you define it at Hopco? Yeah, so, you know, it, Al, it really comes down to seeing a patient uh, who has presents themselves with some sort of musculoskeletal issue, pain, you know, knee pain, joint pain, uh, a fracture, if you will, um, and really understanding how we take that patient, assess that patient, and really driving towards delivering the right care at the right location, at the right time, and accomplishing the best possible outcome we can for that patient. And that's really kind of in a nutshell, as saying there's no you know, long, long way of accomplishing this, but how do we make this very efficient and accomplish that outcome at the end of the day? Okay, and I imagine your payer model has to reflect that. So what is, how, how does that work for, for you, at least in some of your markets? Yeah, it's a, it's a good follow-up. So, so for us, uh, obviously, that 
how, how much is that really working and putting into play? So we, we take full global capitated risk on uh, musculoskeletal spend overall in, the, in these markets. And we, we basically the best way to pressure test your model is whether you are doing a good job of taking costs out of the system and being fully at risk to ensuring you could deliver that care and, and accomplishing those outcomes you want to obtain in caring for the number of lives you are responsible for. So, so because we're that, that model that I mentioned, you know, that, that is ultimately the test of whether we have the ability to drive that spend down, but not necessarily compromise in any way, shape or form, the quality and the outcome that the patients end up getting re receiving. Okay, so you teed right up into the the first question I really wanted to ask you about this. Um, so, you know, one of the I hear in generally not just the musculoskeletal world, but in all specialties, one of the concerns around value based care is that it can lead to the rationalization of care um, in an effort to cut those costs. So, how is it that uh, you know Hopco as an organization strikes the balance between um, you know? wanting to execute appropriate surgeries, which are, but knowing that's one of the most expensive parts of the care delivery process itself. Yeah. So again, you know, it, it starts with um, understanding a patient who presents themselves with a problem, a situation and understanding how do we get with that problem to as quick of the determination of what the root cause of that problem is that they're having. Um, you know, that in and of itself could undergo many machinations of how you end up figuring out what they have, but how do we really use predictive analytics, evidence-based care guidelines to drive towards coming to that decision as quickly as we possibly can, which by the way, you are eliminating waste when you do that, which ultimately translates to reducing overall costs. Once you've determined what the root cause is, then really what becomes the most you know, cost-effective way to be able to drive the outcome you need. And, and a great example of that, Al, would be, you know, somebody who ends up having an x-ray and you could determine and in and, and, and algorithm, you know, this is, they're going to need surgery. There's no need to waste time and or treatments or alternative treatments to try to get to that end result that we're heading on that path anyways. You know, that that's how you drive, you know, effective value-based care. Obviously, this involves patient participation and patient engagement. Some patients may fear the need or the want to be able to go and proceed with surgery, as you mentioned, the potential biggest cost overall in the care. But if you eliminate that other excess waste overall and get that, to that outcome, if it is a surgical outcome, then we could kind of cut some costs along the way. Furthermore, you know, we could get into, into the conversation of what's the right location and what's the right therapy and how do they receive that to be able to drive towards your full recovery and back to the normal, healthy living lifestyle that they were active. So I mean, I mean, you're saying, um, you know, it's, I think the suggestion is that in, in some delivery models, uh, there might be sort of, there might be a delay of certain surgical care in an effort to explore other alternatives, maybe because that's what the patient wants, or maybe that's because, because of the incentives of the, the payer models that exist and, one of the things you see is that jumping some of that care and just getting straight to surgery can actually be the right thing for the patient and actually ends up saving costs for the overall system. Yeah, is that that's right? correct. Because when you look at the treatment, it's not about the episodic treatment of care. It's not about the cost of surgery, but it's really about patient presented at this point with a problem. What yep. the surgical is just one episode of that care continuum. 
even the post-surgical period, whether it's receiving therapy and recovering, it's an entire continuum of spend. So where can we take the chunks out that are unnecessary waste, if you will, and we end up yeah. cutting our overall costs in that continuum of care? Do you, this is putting you on the spot, but off the top of your head, do you have a sense for kind of the, the you know, the, the relative portion of costs that you have in, in your system related to surgical care versus non-surgical care? Yeah, I, I don't have that off the top of my head, but, uh, but I can tell questions. you that, you know, <laughs> when a patient will not benefit from surgery, because I can, that, that's maybe more in the minority on the musculoskeletal side, but when they will not benefit from surgery, the options are still provided for the patient to be able to feel better and, 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 and kind of come away with at least some solution that makes the most sense for them, right? Because again, we're, we're dealing with the humanistic component of a patient who presents with a problem, a chief complaint, and you know our ability is to be able to kind of figure out what's going to be the best outcome for them overall. And that might be something related to non-musculoskeletal related. It might be something neuropathic related that requires some neuromodulation or something to that effect. So really kind of trying to understand and uncover what that is, you know, helps drive that outcome we can for that patient. As long as we're able to rule out quickly and efficiently that it's not going to be solved through some musculoskeletal intervention for that patient overall. Okay. Um, so can you, uh, you know, for the benefit of the audience and certainly for me, can you give me an example, like a concrete example of a, a patient um, who presents where you, where you find this, that, you know, there's a certain way that you guys can optimize that care to deliver a better outcome to them and lower costs, maybe a specific procedure type or. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, I think I'll, I'll talk at a grander level and certainly push, push on me and I could get into more details, but I think we're seeing a lot of care in the United States shifting from the inpatient traditional type of treatment model oh, and right. to more of an outpatient treatment model. And, you know, I mean, you're seeing joint cases, joint outpatient joints being more yeah. and more prevalent, you know, where in the past it's been only an inpatient hospital type of surgery, if you will. Uh, if you look at the CMS list of inpatient only surgical cases, that number has uh, severely been reduced over the last, you know, 10 years overall. So you've seen that number, yeah. uh, uh, number of cases go down. So I think, you know, it's really an example would be understanding here are patients that, you know, were receiving care or surgical intervention now are being done with same day surgery, go home and spend the evening in, in the comfort of your home and having zero impact on the outcome of how they end up fully recovering overall. So I think seeing that is that's just one small example of what's out there right now. Yeah, it's a, you know, the the push to AAC is, is enormous, right? And it, I will almost describe it as violent. I've seen some charts where you see like in the last 10 years, I mean, it's a, it's a positive, violent, let's just say, but, you know, even cardiovascular and other conditions that you thought could only happen in the hospital, it's all going um, because of technology enablement and uh, the, the data that's, that's showing that these things can be performed in those environments. Um, you know, another interesting angle to this, I was speaking with a practice recently that um, they, they had a very longstanding relationship with their local hospital and things kind of changed and the hospital began to kind of undercut them. And they didn't have their own independent ASC, which is now something we're commonly seeing with surgical practices. And it really, you know, obviously put them in a lurch from an organizational standpoint. But the thing that really struck me about it, uh, which ties back to our, I think, our discussion overall is they were very frustrated as consumers in the local market that they were losing access to this sort of specialty care outside of the hospital network. 
um, that they were like literally seeing the outcomes and knowing knowing how the hospital took care of some of the patients in that market that their kids, their wives, their their friends and family would actually be getting a, a lowering uh, quality of care, which you know I think that's part of where where you guys are at as an organization is the ability to be truly specialized in the delivery of this care, so you do it better and cheaper than you know, what the larger institutions might be able to do. Yeah, I think that's spot on. It, you know, when you, when you think of, you know, high quality care outcomes, uh, and no matter what specialty you're talking about, it's about, you know, ensuring that you're doing it highly repeatable functions and highly, you know, reliable functions. Yep. And, you know, you, you might lose a sense of that when doing it in a multi-specialty kind of conglomerate of, we do everything and we're everything to everyone versus really, really going to focus in this kind of wing of specialty care. And, but everybody's going to be completely aligned and trained and competencies achieved and accomplished where everybody knows this is what we do and what we do every single day. It's highly repeatable and, and we expect a highly reliable, reliably yeah. attain those outcomes. Okay. Well that, that, um, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I have a pure business background, really, and not a clinical background and, uh, you know, minimizing variations and doing things in a consistent way is absolutely a principle of, of good operations. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so Ozzy, we are up against our time because we always promise our audience that we will keep it short and sweet, but this has been a great primer about the organization, about Hopco, about value-based care. And what I want to turn to as we, we go to our next session is how do you work with your doctors on this um, and get your perspective on that? Because I'm sure that would be very interesting to many of the folks that might listen. So uh, let's pause there. But for those that are listening, uh, we will be introducing a second session of this uh, down the road. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we look forward to your feedback and thoughts on the show. So uh, be sure to leave us notes and uh, we will see you again soon. Thanks so much. Ozzy, really appreciate your time. Thank you all. Thanks for having me.